your Locked On Panthers, your daily podcast on the Florida Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Monday, December 13th edition of Locked On Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're to your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all things Florida Panthers. I'm Armando Velez from PantherParkway.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mondoman12. You can follow the show account on Twitter at LO underscore F. L.A. Panthers. You can follow the national show, Locked on NHL, and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. And thank you once again for making the Locked on Florida Panthers podcast your first Florida Panthers listen of the day. So, Florida Panther fans, the Florida Panthers just wrapped up their final game of this three-game road trip. Though they went... One, one, and one. They're still four, four, and four on the road this season. That was a really, really fun hockey game that we just witnessed. If you had a chance to watch that game live on TV and to help me talk about this game on Sunday night is he is from the fifth line 5R show. It is Alex Baumgartner. Uh, a recent a frequent guest on this show so alex how are you man i'm doing good um normally when i come on after a loss i'm feeling kind of down not today no no not and i i feel i i felt that usually when the florida panthers have had their comebacks it's of course they've we're we're used to number one them being at home and number two mostly coming coming out with a dub at the end of the day i mean there was a graphic at the end of the third period where it showed the third period scoring between the two teams and they these teams are very very close into like how similar they are offensively and how and and just how they they perform in, in the clutch and clutch situations as well though Florida has had more comebacks than Colorado um, based on the goal differential. But man, th- this this was a lot of fun. And I told the host of Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli, I told him, see you in June. Yeah, it's a difficult place to play. Um, playing Colorado, obviously. Everywhere is a difficult place to play on the road. But look at the elevation, too. Like, I had a hockey tournament there. I'm on an NHL athlete, obviously. It's not easy to play in a place like Colorado, specifically when you're coming from Florida, where mm. you, it's like the types of elevation is just so different. But professional athletes, they can deal with that. Going into a hostile environment, Colorado has a great crowd. They were showing their support tonight. The Panthers could definitely hear it. Avalanche are probably one of the hottest teams in the NHL, specifically over the last three games. Because before tonight's game or last night's game, because you're listening to this after, 21 goals in three games. And Andre Burakovsky was the only person to score for the Avs tonight, and he got a hat trick. So Panthers shorthanded, so were the Avs. It was a very close game. 
with two pretty hot teams. Absolutely. And you said, you said it 21 goals in, in the last three games, the the only one that I won't really use against the opposition is the New York Rangers, because they were starting a goalie who never played a single game in the NHL. Uh, so that one, I didn't make too much of it, but the other ones, it's like, wow, that, that one, the, the Colorado avalanche, they're just, they're, they're, they're just on a tear. And it was announced that Gabriel Landeskog is going to miss uh, a few, a few weeks now uh, on the Colorado side of things. Nazem Kadri, uh, along with Jonathan Huberto, they're both top five in points and they were without a guy who's in the top five. Uh, and I was telling this, uh, I was talking about that to the guys in my Panther Parkway chat saying, yeah, Nazem Kadri's up there. And they're like that Nazem Kadri, <laughs> the, the, the former leaf Nazem Kadri. Yep that that same guy and this was i i quote tweeted uh your your tweet from earlier when we spoke about both the injuries for both florida and colorado this was this was going to be a battle of depth for for both of these teams for sure and man but despite florida going 11 f7d and despite the Colorado Avalanche being shorthanded, man, that top line just really took over. Miko Rantanen got eight points. That whole line all together of Burkowski, McKinnon, and Rantanen all got eight points all together. It's just, man, and imagine, just imagine when Kadri and Landis Cogger are back in the mix. Yeah, it's a high power offensive team, and we've seen that for years in Colorado. Nazem Kadri by no means is a guy to look down upon. He put up 30 goals one year playing in Toronto. Um, I think that was a year before John Tavares came. But um, the only downside of Nazem Kadri's game is really just him getting suspended so frequently, specifically in the playoffs. And I think a big key to Colorado's success is Nazem Kadri staying out of the press box and on the ice because that's clearly where he's more useful to them and mm. you know, top five in points. I was kind of surprised to see that too. And I'm a big Nazem Kadri fan specifically from his days, the leaf, but um, yeah, I want to see these teams play a seven game series. And as we know, the only way that can happen is in the Stanley cup final. And I want both teams to be healthy because honestly, obviously we saw Barkov a little bit a couple nights ago and then he had to leave, but Anthony Duclair, they really miss the way that guy drives the net, controls the play, can just use his foot speed and his passing skill to open up the ice. And I think that's a very, very underrated part of this Panthers team, even though in-house they know how good Duclair is. I don't think people outside of the Panthers fan base really respect Anthony Duclair's game enough. And when he comes back and when Barkov comes back, and obviously Mammon was out tonight too, and he's had a pretty good tear as of late. It's going to be a very, very scary forward lineup when they're all healthy. Yeah, no, no doubt. And, and Duclair has, Duclair has practiced in the last uh, few, few days. So he's, he's, he's really close to, to returning to action. Barkov, Barkov didn't practice yesterday, but he practiced uh, the practice before, uh, before they faced Arizona. So there's a little bit of, en of encouraging signs there. You know how hockey is. They don't, they don't reveal the, the type of injuries that are happening with a player. And let's talk about, before we go into break, two scary moments that happened um, to today. 
the first one was Patrick Hornquist taking a skate to the hip. Um, I think it was uh, Miko Rantanen's uh, skate that ran into him as he was um, as he was going through the crease, and he immediately skates to the bench. And despite all of that, he leads the team in shots. Incredible how hockey players and their pain tolerance to even though something like that happens that they continue to play on and just um just someone like Hornquist to still battle it out hockey players are a different breed of crazy I think George Richard asked in the post-game press conference where there's stitches and I know Bruno said they got to patch him up and then they're going to check after the game what's up so um <laughs> yeah that just, when I heard that quote I'm like oh so we don't know the whole extent of what happened to Hornquist yet. They're going to check him after the game. And last couple seconds, Patrick Hornquist is in front of the net, causing up a stir as he always does and trying to get a last minute goal. So yeah, that was very scary. Um, When I saw it live, I didn't really see the skate to the replay, but immediately you see him grab his hip skate back to the bench. Never a good sign when that happens, specifically when there is no puck involved so i didn't know what was happening i don't know if it was a hit or if he tweaked something but um looked pretty good out there for a guy that took a skate to the hip or the rib wherever it was mm-hmm. and a part of <laughs> people people who don't don't know what's under that uniform now know that there's no padding there and that they're there that 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 yeah not not everywhere under under the, yeah, the, jersey the chest protector comes up to about I would say not even the middle of the rib cage. So there's a lot of, and the back is even um, a little bit shorter than the front. So there's a lot of open space. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, if you get hit there with the puck, it's going to hurt. But a skate, you're very open to a cut. And mm-hmm. even if the skate hits, like there's a lot more areas on the body for that skate to cut you than for it to not cut you, especially on that upper body in hockey gear. Yeah. For sure. And an, and another scary moment that happened in this game was on the Colorado uh, side, former uh, Florida Panther, um, Jacob McDonald. Um, he took a hit from uh, Ryan Lomberg in the in the Colorado zone, and it was a clean hit. Um, and he, he was gone after by a Abe Kubel of the Colorado Avalanche after that. And like scary moment there, the stretcher comes out, hit clearly his head hits the the ice and just you never want to see something like that happen to a player and the Burakovsky actually said um I saw this on Twitter that he was actually uh standing up and walking after the game he didn't have to go to the hospital at all so that's a very encouraging sign to see on the Colorado side uh what was your reaction when you saw that um, I saw the hit live initially and the camera kind of panned away right away because the play was moving Puck was there. Lomberg laid a very nice hit initially when I saw it. Um, you can kind of hear the crowd start roaring, so I knew something else was coming from it. Watching the replay, Puck was there. No, Lomberg did not jump because if you slow it down, even when he makes contact with the shoulder, his skate's still on the ice until the impact. So that does not mean he was leading with the leading to jump into the hit. By no means did that happen. It was shoulder to shoulder. The head was a little bit down, but he still kept the principal contact of the shoulder. Despite that, McDonald was winded, knocked out most likely, 
and they had to take the stretcher out. So I wasn't out here saying what a great hit by Ryan Lomberg, this and that. When a guy gets has to get stretchered off, the first thing I'm thinking of is like, I hope he's okay. And that's what I left it as. He answered the bell. You would expect that. Um, Colorado really didn't go after him after that either. So I think they also knew it was a hockey play. Um, if it, if they thought it was more of a dirty play, I feel like there would have been another fight with Ryan Lawberg involved. Mm. But I'm just glad to hear that he is okay. And um, yeah, don't ever want to see a guy get stretched off or winded. And we've seen that happen a couple times this week in hockey specifically. Mm-hmm, for sure. Uh, we'll get more into this game uh, on, on the other side of this uh, break, but uh, keep it right here with uh, Alex Bumgartner and I on this edition of Locked On Panthers, your first listen of the day. Does this sound familiar? you got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friend login for the good stuff? Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Monday edition of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Alex Baumgartner from the Fifth Line 5R show here with me. So, Alex, the like we said at the top of the show, the Florida Panthers go 11F7D in this one. Lucas Carlson is the extra skater. It, in in warm-ups, it looks like he was going to be on the forward lines, which was a little confusing, but a lot of uh, double shifting. So it didn't really end up being uh, turning out that way for the Cats. But really, the, 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 the Panthers, they go – the first 12 minutes of this game without a single shot on goal. And then they end up turning it on in the, in the last um, um, eight minutes in, in this one. Um, There's, I didn't see really much pressure on the four check at the end of the second period, at the end of the second period. Do do, do you know how many Florida Panthers had, um, had shots on goal after the end of the second period? Well, I know Lomberg and Hornfist both had a lot of attempted shots. I'm going to go with four different Panthers had shots on goal. Seven different ones. Okay. I so definitely lowballed that. Yeah. So that not a lot, not a lot, not a lot of the skaters had, had uh, opportunities at the net. So it was, uh, and of course they're, 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 they're shorthanded, but still like that was, that was a little bit of a, of a concern. And Ekblad, Ekblad didn't get his first uh, shot on goal. I, I believe it was until like midway to through the third period. So that was a little bit that was a little bit of a concern on on for me. And really, I felt like what it came down to was the Florida Panthers were not getting too much into the slot when it when it came to the first three periods. And then you really saw it as as the game went on. Well, for me, it looked like Colorado was doing a good job of clogging up the zone the second the Panthers entered. Colorado is not necessarily a team where their defensemen are um, 
top end defensive defenseman. Whereas you look at a team like maybe Vegas, who they put in the playoffs last year, um, have more bigger, stronger two or not even two way defensemen, just defensive defensemen. Colorado did a really good job of kind of just neutralizing Florida's zone entries. Not a lot of sustained pressure for the first 40 minutes. Um, at one point, I'm just like, they're not going to get a goal because they just can't generate any momentum anywhere near the front of the net. And this isn't a game where you're going to beat Kemper from a far shot because the pucks weren't getting through, even with the attempts. So they did pick it up later on in the third. They were catching them on the rush a little bit too, a little later on. Uh, that's what the Panthers need. They need to expose parts of other teams' games. And it seems like they only figure that out in the third period. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andrew Burnett was uh, um, talked um, was asked about it after the game. I'm gonna I'm paraphrasing his quote, but he talked about how um, they did they didn't really play to the pace that they wanted to based on this game. Um, it, it's more like that they played to like the other the other team's pace in this one. And really, after after Burkowski scores the first goal, which was a power play goal at the end of the at the end of the second period which the the penalty that was that was called before that which was the Ekblad high stick which you see the replay and the high then the stick is going near Miko Rantanen and you don't even see his head cogged back at all which kind of made me a little confused of why that was that was called in the first place but hey um I mean, the first matchup, there was a goalie interference that wasn't goalie interference by Miko Rantanen as well, and the Florida Panthers capitalized. So I guess it's I guess it's even there for for uh, this team. But but talk. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Carter Hagee a little bit in this one. Two primary assists. Um, he he was mostly paired with uh, Alexander Barkov. Um, for of course, most of the season, he, of course, with Barkov out a little bit of the shifting of the lines, but this guy is starting to really come on his own, even without Barkov with him. Same thing happened last season when people were saying, oh, he's just a stat padding because Barkov, Barkov gets hurt. Verhage turns it up this year. Verhage is really just showing that he can help generate offense. And as I said, Panthers didn't have anything going for them until they started catching them on the rush. And, well, two primary assists from nice cross-size feeds in the zone by a Carter Verhage makes this a 2-2 game within 90-something seconds, 100 seconds. So, yeah, when not a lot's going, you need one little spark of energy. And tonight it was Carter Verhage on primary assist. I thought Owen Tippett did a really good job of the forechecking, which helped generate a little bit of the offense. It was really a big bottom six kind of thing. Uh, obviously, Patrick Hornfist, eight shots. Ryan Lomberg made his present felt in the third period as well. Um, not too much from Lester Ryan tonight, but not everyone can have a crazy offensive night and he's been playing good this season. I think the bottom six played pretty well. Mm-hmm. And Tippett, Tippett's another one that I was a little encouraged by in this one because the when the Florida Panthers early on were – struggling to even get a shot on goal uh Tippett was one of the guys who were really starting to get get it going really er, midway through the first period period after after they finally got their shot on goal one of them was in with a backhand um in the low slot um 
and you said it best uh forechecking creating some opportunities to to get a turnover and create an and create an opportunity right in front of Kemper and he was an extra in in practice and with Mammon being hurt um if he if Mammon wasn't hurt with the stretch that he was on chances are that Tippett would have been scratch if Anthony Duclair and Alexander Barkov um what were, were healthy enough to play chances are and I, I was a little encouraged by what I saw of Owen Tippett. I, I, I did see one bad swing and a miss, like right, right in front of on the right uh, faceoff circle by Tippett that who knows, who knows what could have happened, but still a little bit of an encouragement from him. But um, what, 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 what are your thoughts on where Owen Tippett is at in his uh, development? I think Owen Tippett's kind of understanding better now what his role needs to be specifically on this team. I really think he needs to watch Sam Bennett more. And when I say that is they have very similar builds. They're also both very, very good with the puck on their stick. Now, the thing that's different is when Sam Bennett was in junior, he used to be able to toe drag the whole team and score in Calgary. He tried to do that a lot and it didn't turn out too well here. He's a lot better at banking the puck off the boards, making one quick move and driving to the outside. I think Sam Bennett might be the best guy on the team of just somehow dodging a hit along the end boards. Cause I don't know how he does it. Owen Tippett, when he drives the net, he's a hard guy to take down. And I think if he added a little more playmaking to his game, cause we know he has the elusive shot. I think, it'll help him out a little bit better. And I think he will keep his place in the lineup because he has a lot of talent. It's just sometimes the misses are getting to him. And I think towards the end of the game, he showed a little bit more character of dumping the puck instead of trying to make a toe drag at the blue line, using his speed, throwing it off from behind the net to generate a rebound. And it almost banked in off a Kemper. So um, I think Owen Tippett needs to keep the simple things going and he'll keep a spot in the lineup. And even if he gets scratched a game or two, he needs to bounce back because there's a lot of injuries on this team. There's going to be more injuries. So you just need to make sure you can slot yourself back in the lineup and play your game the correct way. Yeah, and the the moment the moment that Anthony Duclair, well, when, when Duclair did practice that, um, okay, the, the Owen Tippett wasn't going to be sent down to the AHL because um, Duclair is not on IR. So there's not going to be a transaction. So it's okay. If you have to scratch him for a game in order to like kind of lit a fire under him. And the fact that he was an extra um, the other day in practice, maybe, maybe that's kind of like a way that could really help a, help a guy out uh, for sure. But man, the, the Panthers, um, they they really started to they really started to put up that traffic up front. Of course, they had more power play opportunities than the Colorado Avalanche. They had four opportunities where they converted one for four. The Avalanche they went uh, one for two in, in this one, and they I, I really I re, I really liked even though they have struggled with faceoffs this year. Even though faceoffs aren't the end all be all, they had they had great opportunities of controlling the offensive zone. And that's something that I really liked in this one as well. What, what, what about you? I was kind of surprised at the end, how many faceoffs they won. Cause the Panthers aren't a good faceoff team. They're really not that good of a faceoff team. They were able to win the draws when they needed to. Um, 
and they pull the goalie, have a six on four. That's what the power play has to look like all the time. Mm-hmm. Get bodies to the net because there was that one. Um, I don't know if it was a power play or a regular. I think it was a power play where they went point Huberto Hornquist opened his body. Huberto hit him in the slot, and then if Hornquist lifted it up maybe three inches more, it would have been a goal. That's something that Tampa does a lot. I've seen Pittsburgh do it too against Florida. When you got bodies moving, interchanging, guys are creeping behind the defenseman in the slot. The guy at the goal line can hit him in the slot. That's an open shot. Panthers need to do that more. And I think at the end of the game, the sense of urgency kicked in. They were a lot less sloppy with the puck and they were getting stuff to the net. When there's when it's regulation and they're not down and they're not chasing the game, I don't think that's happening too often. I think whoever's running the power play or Bruno just needs to tell them, keep that sense of urgency every single time you have the man advantage because there's too much talent on this team to strike out that many times. Which is a perfect segue to talk about more of the Panthers uh, playing from behind. And in the next segment, we're going to talk more about how the Panthers playing from behind and ask a question, how sustainable is this for uh, the Florida Panthers? So we'll get to that question in the next segment here on Locked On Panthers. Your first listen of the day. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness. Rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. So many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. While you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie, Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those small doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it because it's a season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor. They'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. Your friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few Built Bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they make ev- anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your Built Bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that Built Bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty Built Bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand. Like some of those marshmallowy treats around the holidays, you need to get your hands on Built Bar Puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't even believe they're filled with protein. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. BattleLine has you covered all season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Welcome back to the Monday edition of the Lockdown Florida Panthers podcast. I'm Armando Velez. I got Alex Baumgartner of the Fifth Line 5R show here with me. And like we said at the top, very fun game to 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 watch here. Um, the Florida Panthers, they 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 were down once again, once again in this one um, t- at the point of two nothing. We've seen four one multiple times. We've seen three nothing. We've seen, we've seen, even when it was three two, when Burakovsky got his third one. I had to think. I, I I automatically thought in like, okay, it looks like they're gonna have to do it again, to tie the game again because we've seen it before. But how many times? How like more like? Is this? Do you think this is a sustainable model for the Florida Panthers to keep playing th- this way as the season goes on? Because we're only in game number twenty-seven out of eighty-two. It's not sustainable when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup. The Panthers have to be that scary team they were at the beginning of the season, where they're beating teams five-one, four-one. 5-2, putting up five goals a game, jumping out to the early lead. Yeah, a lot of those games, it might have been 1-0, and then they just piled on the goals. Yeah, that's fine. Having to do late third-period comebacks where you have to score two, three goals just to send it to overtime, then you got to pull it out of your bag again and then win it in overtime. In a playoff series, it's really good teams. It's not going to happen. Um, you got you to gotta get the early leader. You got to get the game close throughout the entirety because you don't want to be chasing specifically in a playoff series. So no, to answer your question, this is not sustainable, but am I too worried about it? Not really. Cause it's better to come back from behind than to lose your lead and lose the game. And mm. the Panthers haven't done that that much this year. That's a good point. I, I actually really, I actually really like what you said there because they've usually, usually they, usually they go, I, I I forget which game it was there where they score three goals into in the first period and they don't score the rest of the game and they kind of do... Well they did that against Arizona. Yeah. And then the first game against Arizona is the only time that I can remember where they had a lead and they almost blew it, but they kept the wit the lead and they won the game. Mm-hmm. So I can't really think off the top of my head too many times where the Panthers blew a lead and lost the game this year. Yeah. Uh, neither can I, and that, and I, and I think that's a that's a really good point that you made because for sure, for sure that um, it, it it's when when you know they know it, it's more of a confidence thing that they can come back versus if they are ahead and and a team starts breaking at it and getting closer that it doesn't it doesn't tear you apart. So that that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of how that's kind of that's kind of how I think about it when 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 you when you made that point for sure. And man, this when when you see the when you look at these two teams, two of the highest scoring 
uh, teams in the in the NHL. When I mean, when it comes to goals against the Colorado Avalanche, are a little higher based on their averages, but um, they've had the injury bug a little a little bit worse early on than the Panthers did. Well, I mean, COVID as well for for Colorado mostly. But how surprised were you? How surprised were you that it was zero zero uh, almost towards the end of the second period w- before about thirty seconds left? I was more surprised it was zero zero after the first. Um, there wasn't a lot of shots. I think it was nine seven at the end of the period. But just all the pressure that Colorado had through the first twelve minutes, I was like, "What the heck's going on? The Panthers are going to get <laughs> blown out." if they don't stop this quickly mm-hmm. luckily they did and then they started kind of putting the pressure on themselves um the second period felt more like it was going to be a very close game than the first half of the first period so i wasn't necessarily shocked it was zero zero until 20 seconds left i was more shocked that that goal went in with 20 seconds left because i checked the clock and i said oh god they almost pulled it out of the bag and made it zero zero after 40 so um the thing with the nhl is it's an 82 game season before playoffs you're not going to be on your night every single night of the year no one goes 82 and 0 no one goes and wins what 60 games a year that doesn't happen like you're going to lose games um it's better that you put your effort in and you prove that you can hang with anyone in the league so yeah Mm mm-hmm um uh, one thing one thing before we wrap up here um Joe Thornton uh on that power play goal which was uh which is a crazy angle that he had um crazy when um anyone uh gets gets one in from from that type of uh location um he's now 12th all-time in NHL history in points so that's one accomplishment by the by jumbo joe a few a future hall of famer um so that that that's one accomplishment for um for jumbo joe and man i i'm this is this is a night this is a night where you compare patrick hornquist is eight shots we talked about that earlier and then jumbo joe getting the power play goal without these um players of Barkoff and Duclair in the lineup, and you saw some of those players um, stepping up in in a in a game in a hostile environment. This is a game where you have to be thankful for those two guys on this Florida Panthers team. You can't build a team that just has a bunch of superstars. You need to have guys that can, you know, pull it out of their bag, turn back the clock a little bit. Patrick Hornquist, multiple times Stanley Cup champion. Joe Thornton, future Hall of Famer, both guys turned it up tonight. And it's normally the veterans that always bring their uh, their A game or 110% game because they're not getting as many minutes. They want to stay out on the ice, and they, and most of all, they want to help the team win. And Joe Thornton doesn't have a cup. Joe Thornton wants to win a cup. Everyone was kind of shocked he signed in Florida, except for the Panthers fans who knew that Florida was legit. Well, you know, Joe Thornton scoring power play goals. That's not the first one he scored this year. Mm-hmm. And for a power play that can't score goals, it's nice to see uh, the 12th all-time leader in NHL points put that one in. So that's all I have to say on Jumbo Joe and Patrick Hornquist. Yeah, and sometimes when you need a jolt, they'll, they'll give it to you. And 
the power plays the power plays improved uh the, the, the throughout the last week for sure and we know what this we know what this team can do even strength when Barkov and Duclair come back it's it, it's definitely it's definitely an encouraging sign and hey this team this team is uh this team is coming home they'll be facing against an Ottawa Senators team who honestly I can't sleep on them I I I know they're really down in the standings but they beat Tampa four to nothing. Um, Anton Forsberg had his first career shutout a few weeks ago. Forsberg had a, a 40 save performance against Carolina. So that is uh, definitely um, a team that regardless, I, I, I can't sleep on the Ottawa senators uh, right now, but Hey, the Florida Panthers will be in a very uh, familiar environment. Only only they're only 14 and one at FLA live arena. So only 14 and one. only 14 and one. So, oh. so it's a, there couldn't be, couldn't be a better time to come back home. And then uh, the LA Kings will come back, come to town on uh, Thursday. So a, a team that is trying to tr- trying to um, get, get to the next stage of their rebuild, even though their GM said the rebuild is over. And then, and then Thursday will be against another team who probably has one of the best farm systems in all of the NHL. And Quinton Byfield, I don't know if you've heard, Alex, he is back playing. He's now playing uh, in the AHL in the Ontario Reign. So, what are the chances that we see Quinton Byfield on Thursday? What do you think? Ooh, no, nah, no, nah. Quinton Byfield's not playing Thursday. Um, he had a tough injury and. You know, they're going to keep him down there, make sure that uh, he's ready to go. AHL is a physical league, though. Mm-hmm. But I think they want to get him up to game speed. Um, what's crazy is Quentin Byfield's still 19. He's technically eligible to play in the World Junior still. Now, obviously, he's not. Team Canada released their roster already. They weren't going to release Quentin Byfield. But, man, crazy to think he's still eligible to play in the World Juniors. He played 17 years old, won the gold, played on the team last year, got a silver. Quentin Byfield's legit. I can't wait to see him actually play in the NHL consistently. I'm excited. I'm excited for for that as well. And speaking of uh, Team Canada, um, Florida Panthers prospect and Vancouver Giants captain Justin Sordiff, um is on the roster for uh, Team Canada. So some Florida Panthers uh representative a a florida panthers representative for the team for team canada and nothing on the u.s as of right now for mackie samoskevich or ty smilanich uh, uh, both so, are both are still on the team as of the latest cuts which were today um i don't know why usa still hasn't made their cuts i don't know if they're gonna take some of their guys to the uh pre-tournament games because they often do that sometimes like when they do the scrimmages but yeah i i think uh i think they should both make the team but they also have 16 forwards on that roster still so there's a couple guys there's there's three guys you're gonna have to cut so Mm -hmm. hey um, and we'll be right here to and we'll be right here to update uh the fans here on locked on panthers on who will be in and who won't be in for the world juniors for team usa as they will be playing at in red deer and edmonton alberta starting on december 26th so alex i want to thank you for uh coming on to this episode of the locked on florida panthers podcast though you've been on here many times i'm going to ask you once again man plug your stuff 
All right. Well, thanks for having me on once again. Quickly, you can find me on Twitter at abomgartner91. You can also find me on the Fifth Line 5R Twitter, which is at Fifth Line 5R. Um, I make most of the tweets over there. And uh, other than that, Five Reasons Sports, get my content there. And definitely follow follow that uh, page uh, for sure. They they just added David Dwork of WPLG Local 10, who has a new show every Monday at 2 p.m. called Odd, Odd Man Rush. And you'll definitely get uh, a few of uh, Alex's shows. Um, usually on Wednesday, right? You'll get you'll get them. Yeah, we should be starting that back up very soon. Um, I'll be back in Florida next week, actually. So I think we're going to start that up again. School's over. So uh, talk to Manny and we're going to get this uh, show on the road once again. I'm excited and you know I'll be listening and supporting you, my friend. So thank you once again for coming on. So if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you're notified every single time the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast jumps into your podcast feed. Don't forget to subscribe to the Locked On NHL and the Crosscheck NHL show with Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark will be covering all the regular season activities around the National Hockey League. Thank you once again for making the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast your first listen of the day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure to listen to today's episode of Locked On Bets. Your one-stop shop for all things betting. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms, so subscribe to the Locked On Bets podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. So I'm Armando Velez with Alex Baumgartner, and you've been listening to the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day.